Welcome back, everybody, to How Is My Financial Health Talk podcast, and I am your host, Vuket Tran. This time, we're going to do something a little bit different. I try to mix things up a little bit here and there just to keep it interesting. As you know, I am the co-founder and president of the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan. And as I'm talking to physicians who want to participate in this plan, they have lots of questions for me that is really truly understandable. But they also have accounting questions and legal questions. So what I've done is I created a webinar so that we can answer these questions all at once. And so what you'll hear today is that webinar, having questions for the accountant and questions for the pension lawyer. So I hope uh, that if you are interested in this question of whether I should do a pension or not, but also more importantly, as your accountant is asking you numerous questions, and I'm sure you may not be able to answer all of them, that you can have them listen to this podcast and have them have a at least somewhat understanding of the pension and what is relevant for them. Of course, if there's any more questions, I'm happy to entertain them and you guys know how to reach me. And so this podcast, this particular episode, uh, is answering those accounting questions and it's really about the personal pension plan, PPP, and the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan. If you are not interested in this, then I would recommend and suggest that you stop listening here and wait for my next episode. So for now, thank you very much and I hope you enjoy the answers uh, to the questions and will bring you some clarity. How's my financial health doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Okay, so good morning, uh, gentlemen, and good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Vukia Tran, and I'm a physician. I'm a family physician. I am a emergency physician and also a long-term care physician. And I'm also the president of the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan. Today, we have a webinar and a podcast with two other gentlemen because we wanted to address some of the questions that accountants have for me uh, and in regards to the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan. So let me introduce our two guests today first. First is uh, Norman Ull. Mr. Ull is a, um, a is a uh, accountant and a CPA. So I'll let Norman introduce himself first. And then we will introduce Mr. Jean-Pierre Laporte, who is a pension lawyer. So I'll let you guys introduce yourself. Norman, please go ahead. Hi, I'm Norman Ull with Ull & Associates, Chartered Professional Accountants. Uh, we're based in Ottawa, but our, we have a specialty with physicians as clients and always here to help and go above and beyond for our clients. Hi, I'm, I'm J.P. Laporte. I'm the president the president CEO of Integris Pension Management. I'm a pension lawyer. I'm also the treasurer of the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan, and I've been uh, practicing pension law for 22 years, and we're based in Toronto. 
Okay, thank you, gentlemen. So it sounds like uh, out of the three of us, uh, I'm the one with the least knowledge about this. And so that's why we have two heavy hitters today answering some of the questions. So here's why we're, we're here together, uh, gentlemen. When I talk to potential physicians who want to join the pension plan, obviously they have their questions and they have uh, their concerns and I answer them, but they come back and say, hey, by the way, my accountant also have concerns and they're not familiar with this and or they don't know this. Here are some of the questions they have for me and therefore I'm asking you, Vu, and I'm like, uh, good questions. <laughs> I'm not an accountant, so let me get the accountant on the line. And so thank you very much, Norma, for, for coming and doing this for us. Uh, Norma, before we begin, can you um, tell us and the audience, what is your familiarity, your familiarity with the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan, but also with the PPP, which is the Personal Pension Plan? All right. Uh, thank you, Vu. I was introduced uh, to the Personal Pension Plan concept uh, several years ago by my own financial planner and JP at the time. Um, and we're always looking for solutions for our clients uh, to support them. And this uh, seemed so good that I jumped on board. I actually set up a personal pension plan within my corporation and um, am able to help our clients, um, not only in the setup, but the ongoing administration, if any, uh, for the pension plan. And this way, um, you know, you walk the walk and you talk the talk. So I felt that it was important for myself to uh, develop one for, for our firm and really see the benefits and um, not looking back. Well, thank you. I think what you're doing is is fabulous. Not only you did something fabulous for yourself, but also for your clients. And I thank you for that. So are you guys ready for the questions? Yes, sir. Let's go. So here's some of the questions that uh, our physicians have asked me. And this is obviously coming from uh, the accountant. So I'm going to give, you, give it to you, the questions from the accountant's perspective. Um, so here's the first question. Having a client of mine join the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan, does it add much more complexity to my work as the accountant? Well, as the accountant, not really, because the payments going from the corporation into the pension plan are nothing more than uh, what we call employee benefits that are tax deductible expenses that are recorded on the books of the uh, corporation itself, along with the uh, corporate tax return. So it's no different than if they were putting money into an investment vehicle uh, or an investment account, if you will. Uh, this one just happens to be off book. If you uh, because of the Pension Act, but it doesn't not add any additional work uh, for accountants. Now I understand that for the RSP is something as you know applying uh, adding one or two lines on whatever you guys do when you file, and for us uh, and for JP at Integris, there's a whole bunch of paperwork, legal paperwork on the legal side. From what you're telling you from the accounting side, not much more. No, no, uh, you're right. Um, so second question is, what are my responsibilities as an accountant when my physician joins the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan? 
Well, first of all, just being aware of uh, the plan itself and the benefits to your clients and uh, accurately recording the payments to the pension, uh, the fees that are tax deductible as well by the corporation, and really keeping track of um, you know, the, the client's desires and, and obviously working with their financial planner who still manages the funds within the plan um, to make sure that we're accurately recording those payments on the books. Are there uh, extra forms or additional forms that the accountant must submit? Not the account. Well, I'll say in my case, uh, I'm working with uh, Jean-Pierre Laporte from, uh, from Integris, who handles, I'll say, the legal slash administrative side of things for a very small fee. Okay. There, there are no specific pension forms that the accountant must complete and file. Any such forms are done by the administrator, not the accountant. Okay, got it. So when the physician joins a Canadian physician's pension plan, Integris have a few forms they must complete. Uh, there are some legal aspects that Integris must complete. And from the accountant's perspective is really accurately reporting the payments and the tax, the tax deductions. That's correct. So uh, question number three, uh, guys, <laughs> there are lots of questions. So bear with me here. From a tax perspective, why is the personal pension plan, the PPP, inside the corporation better than doing an RRSP on the personal level? So my view with that is that you're, first of all, you're using corporate dollars where the tax rate in Ontario, for instance, is, is just over 12%. So it gives you an 88 cents dollar to, to invest, so to speak. But because the pension payment is tax deductible, you're already saving that 12% upfront along with the fees. Um, so you're using corporate dollars. It's off book. So that means it's also creditor proof. So if something goes sideways with your corporation um, under the Pension Act, this, this, these monies are, are protected. They're somewhat protected in an RSP, but not as much. But the advantage I have uh, with the corporate investment, if you will, is that at age 71, where most people have to convert an RSP into a RIF, and now you're now the government is telling you how much money you have to take out to retire, if it's left inside the corporation, you have full control as to how and when you're going to pull that money out. And obviously, you're up to, uh, you, you can also do income splitting from the corporation at, at that point as well. So, so my preference is always to use corporate dollars, have the, uh, the corporation pay not only the pension plan contributions, but also the fees. If I may jump in, it's also that when you count dollar for dollar, the pension rules will allow you to put three to four times more money than an RRSP over a lifetime. So it's not just that it's taxed differently. It's the quantum of the amount of money that we're talking about is apples and oranges. So if the business owners or like the physician's goal is to have the biggest possible nest egg, well, you have to use a solution that gives you those higher limits. And I think that's where the PPP really shines as opposed to an RRSP. So jumping into the next question, because they're tied together with this, is some of the clients that ask me and also coming from their accountants is, what other tax advantage are there of doing the, the PPP 
inside the corporation? You've mentioned uh, two of them already. Are there other tax advantages? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the end, you've got some flexibility with um, how much, obviously, we're, we're contributing. So if somebody, uh, you know, gets to the end of the year and has a high profit but excess cash, an extra payment to the pension plan will allow for that. And the advantage with the PPP as well is you can um, also over-contribute in a sense. This is what JP was mentioning earlier, is that the limits are somewhat higher than an RSP. So therefore, uh, I can reduce my taxes at the same time as building up my pension plan at the end of the year. And again, it, it's it's creditor proof that that is a big uh, a big plus, especially where we're you know we're starting to hear about malpractice suits and things like that. So this is this is another way of of protecting your retirement funds. The 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 other point I'd like to throw in, Norm, uh, if you don't mind, is the the fact that my understanding, and you're the accountant, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that if you build up too much passive income inside of your corporation, then it's going to start having an impact on your $500,000 small business allowance where you're taxed at a low rate. So by moving those passive dollars off the balance sheet into the pension plan, we're not attacking that, that $500,000 amount. We keep it in place and therefore benefit from the lower tax rate for longer. So that also reduces the corporate tax bill of the, of the physician's corporation. You're absolutely right, JP. Gentlemen, there's one more, the, which is the intergenerational wealth transfer aspect of the pension plan that really doesn't exist inside the RSP because in the RSP, there's such a little thing called the deemed disposition at time of death. So uh, in the RSP, you cannot truly uh, transfer the wealth to the next generation without being taxed. Uh, so there's another tax advantage of the uh, personal pension plan and the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan sitting inside the corporation. That's correct. And it's something that most people have never heard of, um, unfortunately, because pension legislation is really something that we see with the large government employee uh, pools or with unionized workforces. But in the small private sector where the physicians are operating, uh, they've never heard of any of these concepts. And even their accountants, most of them have never heard of any of this stuff. So it's all new territory for them. And yet, this could be millions of dollars saved by the physician's family should the physician pass away. Okay, so here's a question. Oh, go ahead, Norma. Oh, sorry. And, and if you have a family business, uh, you know, just stepping aside from the physician's um, you know, if you have the family members uh, that are working within the corporation, the uh, PPP allows you to transfer that pension to an intergenerational transfer, I'll call, and keep it alive. And this is not just for one generation. Correct. This could go on for multiple generations. Yeah. Some people I use like family. Yeah. Some people use family trusts to try to do that. But the problem with the family trust is there is a deemed disposition every 21 years. Whereas with a pension trust, which is what we use for these solutions, the 21 year doesn't apply. So it could go across multiple generations, so across centuries. Okay, so here's the next question, which is very important because uh, I would be asking the exact same question. Is this a legal solution in the eyes of the CRA? And if I'm the accountant and I'm proposing this or I'm suggesting this, 
or asking my clients to consider this, what risk am I taking as an accountant? Okay, so I'll I'll let uh, JP jump in on the legal side of it, but from the accountant's perspective, um, I always advise my clients, I cannot sell you a, PP, a CPPP, I cannot set it up for you per se, but I can only give you the advantages, um, excuse me, if that's one of the solutions that you're currently looking at. Yes, there are legal aspects, but because it falls under the Pension Act, I'll turn it over to our pension guru, JP, to explain that one for you. Yeah, so the, the plan is anchored and forms part of the legislation under the Income Tax Act. So the Income Tax Act has provisions that deals with these types of pension plans, and they're called either individual pension plan or registered pension plans. So it's all based in government regulations, and the government has to approve and register these solutions, and then they keep monitoring them on an annual basis, and they can even audit them. So this is, this is not some sort of a transaction that you do in, a, in some foreign country, and you try to claim some some, some tax deductions. If this is a government approved, regulated, supervised solution. So of course it's it's legal. And so the question is, if I'm the accountant and I'm proposing this, not, not that I'm setting up, but I'm suggesting this to my physician client, do I have any risk? Not at all. Uh, because basically you're just advising them, you're, you're proposing a solution, but ultimately the final decision rests with the client, with the physician, we're trying to help them make an informed decision. We're just educating them. So there is no risk. Were there recent legislative changes that make this a better solution now than a few years ago? I'll probably want to jump in here because it's more legal related. So the answer is yes. Uh, there were some uh, changes in Ontario in December of 2020 that made it a lot easier to set up these types of pension plans uh, inside of a professional corporation for a doctor, for example, not just doctors, but since we're speaking about doctors today, physicians, um, that made it a lot easier. So that's number one. And, and number two, the, the, the federal legislation has changed in such a way that if you keep too much passive money in your corporation, which is what a lot of people have been doing, you're penalized. So being able to take those dollars off the balance sheet and putting them in a pension plan, which is now easier to set up, makes it even better. So yes, there've been federal and provincial changes recently that makes this solution a lot better than it was, let's say three, four years ago. I think the, uh, the CPPP will be very much protected under the Pension Act going forward. Now, this is a good question that I get all the time, uh, and I'm looking for you guys to help me answer this. Uh, and here's the question is, I do not know a lot of colleagues doing this. Okay, None of my accountant colleagues are doing this. None of them are suggesting it, it be done. So why is it not more commonly suggested or considered uh, by accountants out there? What's the explanation for that? Well, it's just the exposure that they have. And and. Uh, I'll be honest, the pension uh, plans are, are very specific uh, with regards to tax rules and, and the like. Um, I'll say the stereotypical average accountant uh, is more concerned about debits and credits and filing tax returns and not really providing advice to their clients. Um, and so that's what kind of separates Hool and Associates in, in a lot of ways that we really care about our clients and we will 
investigate and learn uh, more and more about options that they have to invest, whether it's inside the corporation, outside the corporation, or anything that will allow them to live a better life and ultimately save them time and money. Well, I think, um, you know, most accountants, I can't say all, and and there's nothing, there's never uh, absolute in life. I think most accountants are uh, very protective of their clients and want the best for their clients. But to your point, if you're not exposed to it, and you have not been familiar with it, then you wouldn't know. And, you know, in the in the realm of accounting and financial planning, it's a team sport. <laughs> I always say emergency medicine is a team sport. I rely on my nurses to make sure that my patient is well taken care of. And I don't think it's, it's different for accountants. And so if the financial planners in your circle doesn't is again not exposed to it then you are most likely not exposed to it as well and and i think it does take time for that awareness to build i agree yes okay so who who does this implementation is it me the accountant am i implementing this do i have to do all the paperwork and the administrative work who does this and what is my role as the accountant my role as the accountant is really to work with um let's say jp in this case at integris to gather the information they need to set up the pension plan. Um, Obviously, we're looking at clients that need to pay themselves a salary because the pension plan contributions are somewhat based on, you know, our uh, RSP limits to a certain extent. But also, if if the uh, client is unfamiliar with the pension plan and, you know, the ins and outs of managing money, Definitely, we we work with uh, with Integris in in the initial setup. So what you're saying to me is, as the accountant, your role is really limited to the transfer and the and the accounting of the information. You're not building the information. You're not building the numbers. You're not filing with CRA for you know uh, legal applications and all that. Your role as the accountant is really like like you would for any accounting for RSPs and TFSAs. That's correct. Yes. We leave the legal side of things with with uh, a company like Integris and JP. So I guess the next question is very similar. Does this require more time for my staff? As an accountant, no. Um, it's just, again, making them aware that you do have a pension plan. Let your accountant know uh, so that it's properly recorded and accurately included in the, in the, the accounting and uh, tax reporting. But uh, I wouldn't say it. It takes additional time to have to to have a pension plan, if you will. Um, obviously, as as a, a value added accountant, um, we have fixed pricing for a lot of our services. I don't typically charge by the hour, but if the accountant is billing their clients by the hour, then yes, if they feel there's additional time and they're able to bill for it, you know, by all means, it is legitimate work that has to be done. So here's the next question. I think very legitimate question. How much education does an accountant need to acquire in this area before they can mention it to their clients? Well, the pension plan itself falls under uh, tax-deductible employee benefits. So I would say that an accountant has to be familiar with uh, the tax deductibility of these pension plan contributions, as well as the tax deductibility of the fees. And also, uh, as JP mentioned earlier, also keeping an eye on those new passive income rules that the government introduced and seeing where uh, we're not allowing a client to accumulate so much excess investments in a corporation out, you know, outside of the pension plan uh, that might lower 
their net income uh, after taxes. So this is this is not um, uh, you know an area that that is very over complex to learn, um, but it does take a little bit of time and some familiarity. But it it shouldn't be a deal breaker, I'll say. So here's a question because you raised this earlier, um, the fact that you know it's tied to salary. So here's the question: What is the most tax effective compensation model uh, to enjoy a pension plan? Is it taking salary only? Is it taking dividends only, or is it taking a hybrid? What is the best model to take advantage of a pension plan? Well, the 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 minimum by minimum, you, uh, the owner of the corporation has to have a salary, as I mentioned before, because they're the contributions are based on uh, somewhat on the RSP limits uh, for for contributions, but also uh, their tax deductible contributions. And the pension plan is considered an employee benefit. So if if somebody is only paying themselves dividends, it's hard to justify that they're an employee. They're paying themselves as a shareholder. The salary I use as a basis, and then. If uh, someone wants to actually uh, lower their overall income taxes, they could top it up with some dividends. So uh, we'll often work on a hybrid model with our clients to see what what uh, works best for them. But at the at the outset, we would always set up a certain minimum salary to allow them to contribute to their pension plan. And so, if if my client is already on a hundred percent dividend, because those were the old rules, and we were helping our clients being the most tax efficient possible. And now with the new rules and the new reality, you know, how can I remedy this? Well, I, I would suggest that we, we have the conversation to switch them to a salary uh, or a hybrid model, uh, again, to be able to make those uh, contributions to their pension plan uh, under the law. Now, if, yes, I agree with you, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, paying oneself with dividends was more tax advantageous, but uh, the change in the rules and the change in the tax rates for salaries and dividends uh, over the years has made it that paying one or the other is probably going to put you in the same after-tax dollar situation that you would be. So I would definitely uh, recommend that if they're going through with a personal pension plan, that they uh, develop a, a salary salary and or hybrid strategy going forward. And here's an important question that, again, my my physicians ask me and their accountants as well. Is there a minimum or what is the minimum corporate ven- revenue needed that makes sense before setting up a pension plan? Well, I get that question often, even when somebody decides to incorporate in the first place is, you know, is there a, is there a hard and fast rule of if I earn X dollars, thou must uh, incorporate, and it always comes down to what's your lifestyle? How much money do you need to live on? Because if you're going to earn money through a corporation and then take it all out to live on, then the tax system has it set up such they even have a term, it's called integration, that if all you do is flush out all the money through the corporation, the combined tax that a corporation will pay plus your tax is going to be about the same as if you didn't incorporate at all. So the main advantage of incorporating these days is if you're going to have any excess cash available, monies you don't need to live on that you want to set aside for savings, then it makes sense to incorporate. And then once you have the corporation, that's when we can um, turn these 
excess monies into a pension plan for you. Everybody has a different lifestyle. Every you know, everybody has dis- different family circumstances. So we really look at the clients. Uh, I call it the household budget. How much do you need in after-tax dollars to live on? And then we determine first you need to incorporate, and second of all, with the corporation, are we going to be able to save uh, this excess cash and put it into a, C- a CPPP for the future? So, so the, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I I think that uh, a quick rule of thumb is if you are maximizing your RRSP contributions every year, if after you've paid everything, you're still putting $30,000, let's say, into an RRSP, then automatically you would qualify. You It would make sense to be in a pension plan, in the CPPP. But if if after all is done and paid for, you only have $100 left of disposable income to save, then maybe a pension fund is not that great of an idea. It could still make sense if you have RRSPs and you want to protect them from creditors and you want to write off all the investment management fees. If you want to invest them in stuff that's not RSP eligible, there might be all kinds of reasons to still have a pension plan. Uh, but typically, if you, you know, we're looking at a minimum of $30,000 of disposable income set aside for re- retirement purposes with most of our clients. Well, I mean, the idea is if you have saved enough money or that you've drawn enough money from your corporation on the personal side to actually pay and save in the RSP, you might as well do that in your corporate side pre-tax and do it in a pension. And so my idea is if you're going to do an RSP anyways, you might as well do it pre-tax in the corporation. Absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier too, with the RSP, you know, you've got that conversion to a RIF that that's mandated. So again, the, the CPPP offers you much more flexibility. So this, this is a, a, another question that kind of asks the question a bit differently. So if my clients make 500 and they take the entire 500 to live on because of their lifestyle and there's no retained earnings in the company, does it still make sense to set up a pension plan? Yes, in the sense if if we can use some of that corporate dollars at first before taxes, and this would allow this person to probably have uh, a greater savings. But if, if they're earning 500 and spending 500 with zero savings, then yeah, we can't help that person. Uh, they're living paycheck to paycheck. But if the intent is to set up a retirement plan or retirement strategy, then yes, we, we would talk to them about uh, setting up a pension plan if it warrants it within the corporation. The, the only exception to that general principle is where someone has significant RRSPs and uh, they set up a pension plan and they put their children inside the pension plan, even though they're not contribu- contributing anything else after that, because they don't have to. The law doesn't force them to contribute because they're spending everything. All that capital can pass tax shelter to the next generation with no deemed disposition. And so that could be millions of dollars of value for the survivors, even though on an annual basis, the corporation really spends everything it earns. So there's there's these weird, rare cases that could still make the pension plan uh, viable. But normally, as you said, if if everything that comes in is spent right away. Well, what are we saving? We're not saving anything. So not saving on RSP, not saving inside the corporation. 
not saving in a pension plan. Well, my thoughts on this is a little bit different, gentlemen. Like if I'm making 500 and I'm spending 500, well, the 500 that I'm spending, I'm paying someone else first. I'm paying the mortgage first. I'm paying my Ford dealership first. I'm paying uh, Enbridge first. I've paid everybody first. And if I have anything less left, then I'll pay myself last. And so I'm of the mindset that I'm going to pay myself first. So out of the out of the 500, you know what? I'm going to leave 30 grand for myself, for my future self, because I value my future Vuket Tran. <laughs> so out of that 500, I'm going to put 30 aside and I'm going to still spend the other 470. So at the end of the day, I still have zero retained earnings, but at least I've done the pension plan for myself. That's how I think. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And and this, it goes to that old joke where, you know, on your tombstone, it's, do you want it to read that I worked till the last day? You know, <laughs> I kind of died. I died with my boots on, so I didn't need a retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I've yet to find anybody who wants to do that. So here's the last question that I think is very important because we've been talking about physicians and and um, this is for physicians, but the, 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 the actual plan itself, the structure is beyond physicians. And so can accountants set up pension plans for themselves, given that they are also incorporated professionals? Yes, absolutely. I did it. I'm living proof. Yes, it's available to accountants. It's also available to other professionals that are incorporated, such as lawyers and dentists and architects, because we're, again, the whole premise is using corporate dollars to contribute to a pension plan. Uh, if, if you're in, you know, an incorporated self-employed professional paying yourself a salary, I don't see why, why you can't do that. And, and JP, I'll let you see if there's any legal wranglings with some other professionals. No, no, no. We have, we have all kinds of people from all walks of life as long as they're incorporated, as long as they're, they're under age 71, because you can't do this after you're 71, but as long as you're under 71 and you're still collecting a salary or a bonus or a mixture of the two uh, from your own corporation, you're good to go. And what's interesting is that with the RRSP, all deductions and contributions cease at 71, because you're not allowed to contribute to a RIF, right? You can convert an RRSP into a registered retirement income fund, but you can't put money in a RIF. With the, per with the pension plan, even after 71, the company can keep making contributions and claim deductions. So that's really powerful because you may have another 30 years worth of deductions beyond age 71 until you die. And that really helps because that corporation that's putting money in the plan is yours as well. So if the money is growing inside the corporation, it's being taxed. Why not move that taxable money into a tax-sheltered solution over those extra 30 years so you end up with significantly lower tax bills at the corporate level? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's funny you made that joke, uh, Normand, because as you know, physicians love to work and they love to work until they die, whether they would need it or not. They just love to work. Uh, so we may be those people who are on our tombstone, we worked in our boots until we die, but not because we needed it, because we want to do it. And so the point that you made, JP, that if I want to work beyond the age of 71 and I'm still making OHIP money or money and it's coming in, I want to find ways to uh, reduce my, my tax bill. So it, that's, that's very important. But not, not just OHIP money. 
let's say you've put money in, uh, you save money inside of your corporation, you open up a non-registered taxable investment account inside of your professional corporation, and you've been growing that wealth with all these retained earnings over time, even though you're not collecting anything from OHIP anymore, because you've hung up your stethoscope, you can use that money inside the corporation to fund the pension plan after mm -hmm. age 71. Correct. And a lot of accountants don't like that because they say, well, that's going to be taxable if you sell those shares that's inside of the investment account, you're going to have a big tax bill. To which, Norm, what do we say when they say that? Yeah, well, you offset the, the gains with the contribution to the pension plan. So, so the tax rate is zero. In fact, it's less than zero because you will have typically tax losses. Not only you get zero tax at the corporate level, you've over deducted. So you may end up having tax losses, which can be carried back, I think, three years, you're telling me, Norm? Yeah, up to three years to recoup some of the taxes you paid in the past. So free money from CRA or against future taxable income of the company. Uh, I believe it's indefinitely. Correct. And if that wasn't enough, of, and on top of making this super tax efficient, those shares that were sold, only half of it is taxable. The other half is a credit to the company's capital dividends account. And that allows you to pull dividends tax-free. So not only are you collecting a pension, you're getting tax-free dividends from your own company. Well, I can't do better than tax-free. So this is, again, this is any time, but you can also do this beyond age 71, which okay. is not allowable in the RSP model. No, no. Correct. Yes. Okay, gentlemen, uh, those are the questions that I have from the accountants. Uh, are there other aspects or questions from uh, Norma, from your perspective, from the accountant perspective that we didn't talk about? Not, not really from the accountant's perspective. It's more, again, I think our job to uh, educate the financial planners out there that, you know, th that should also be pushing or, or, or educating themselves and, and, and uh, offering these solutions to their clients. And so uh, I've kind of made it my personal mission to work closely with financial planners that understand not only investments, but the, the pension and the tax implications as well. Because I think uh, we'll all agree the tax implications themselves are such that the the plan pays for itself. And who wants, you know, who wouldn't turn down a free pension plan, plus all the tax advantages that come along with it? JP, from a legal perspective, is there anything well, we the, didn't chat about? The, the, the elephant in the room is that when people realize what these rules allow Canadians to do, there's something in their head that says it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. And if it was, if this was possible, I would have found out about this years ago. And unfortunately, there are lots of good things out there that people don't know about. Only a select few that are specialists in these areas have ready access to this knowledge. And other people, for whatever reason that we've talked about, they haven't been exposed to it yet. And so they're missing out. So our mission is to try to bring as many people under the tent as possible and let them use this, this legislation that's been around forever uh, and take advantage of it instead of not using it. So okay. that's, that, those are my final thoughts. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Norma. Thank you, JP. It's been a pleasure. Now I know what to answer accountants who come at me with all those questions. All right. It's been a pleasure, Vu. Thank you. Thank you, thank JP. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. 
Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.